Welcome back to a Geeksplained Extra series that we're calling Watching the Watchmen, where every week we'll be basically talking about and reviewing the episodes of HBO's Watchmen series, created for TV by Damon Lindelof. And of course, it is the sequel to the critically acclaimed comic of the same name. I am your co-host, Eric Gazzana. And I am your co-host, Chris Carter. And we, this week, are going to be talking about... Episode 4, entitled, If You Don't Like My Story, Write Your Own. So, I'm going to start off a little bit differently than we did last week. What do you think the title is referring to? Man, I I don't know. I, I partly think it's because of the family tree. I think we kind of got a lot of that mm. uh, this episode. True, which That VFX was awesome. The way yeah, that, super I, cool. I heard you mention, like, kind of... Like let out of like oh I, I was yeah. writing that down like that was so cool really, how they really did cool. that right and um it's I, I it's it's got to be something about that maybe it goes back to how now we're getting more about how the the chief was in the KKK and we're mm-hmm. kind of peeling that onion um, that's my take what do you think it is I think like you said there's a lot of different uh, different interpretations for it because yeah. this episode even though it wasn't as I would say bombastic as previous sure. episodes, sure. not a lot happened. Um, the stuff that did happen really pushed forward a lot of the narrative and a Absolutely. lot of the mystery Absolutely. that we've been dealing with for the previous episodes. I think that the um, the family tree is definitely something that could be uh, applied here. I right. think uh, Lori's whole thing, uh, basically just her deal about her situation being now kind of the head of police moving into Judd's office. She's totally that at this point. Um, yeah. This idea that, you know, she's going to come up with her own story. Right. Um, I think the mystery surrounding Lady True, which we are definitely going to get into. Yeah. Um, and then just the, the... Just this ever-growing mystery, this ever-winding journey that we're going on with Adrian Veidt. Yeah. That I think it can apply to a lot of those. And what I like, and I mentioned uh, this to you earlier when we were getting ready to watch the episode, is that I really like how each title, besides it being like a song title, also has a lot to do with the contents of the episode. Sure, sure. Like a little nod to it. It's yeah. kind of, you won't, get, you won't get this until it's over, but mm-hmm. you will get it. Yeah, you know? and I... I cannot wait until the end of the season after all nine episodes are out and we can look back on the titles and see how they apply to each chapter of yeah. the story. Yeah, Breaking Bad uh, did that. They, oh, uh, did it? Yeah, some of the creators, they named the first, the title, they take the first letter in each title and they spelled something out. A Better Call Saul 2. Oh, they that's put, cool. Yeah, they put Fring's back to introduce Gus Fring and Breaking oh. in a Better Call Saul. But, but yeah, that's kind of thing that I think that that Damon would do for this, but I absolutely yeah. agree. I think that I wonder if it would read like chapters to, like you mentioned, the graphic novel kind of right. in that same vein, where if it were a continuous thing, maybe it would kind of borrow that uh, stylistic sense, maybe. Right, right, but, right. Well, uh, let's dive into the episode. And the episode really, I think, is uh, is interesting because, and we talked about this before, 
the first two episodes were very focused on Angela's story. Yeah. Very focused on her. She is arguably, I would say, the main character. Absolutely. Uh, The third episode brought us right away to the perspective of Lori Blake, former Silk Spectre, now FBI agent. And this episode starts in an even further away place from Angela (laughs) with the introduction of Lady True. Now, Lady True is someone who I immediately looked at as, like, she's going to be trouble. Something is... She's hiding something, and we get into a lot of what she's hiding throughout the episode. Sure. But the the opening scene where she shows up at this couple's house... And she says, you know, for three minutes, you're the most important people in the world. Which, doesn't that build this level of suspense mm-hmm. by, right away, right? She Absolutely. Just, the idea of a ticking clock always ups the suspense. It ups yeah. the um, yeah. the pressure and the right. tension. You're on the clock. You, you, right. You're on a countdown right now to what we don't know. I, yeah. I, you know. And then we see, like, throughout the scene that she is a woman of means. She has to correct the one, the one lady calling herself a billionaire, that she's a, a trillionaire. trillionaire. Yeah. Um, but we can tell that she is, and we now know that she is, her company is the one building the Millennium Clock that we've right. seen for the past three We're episodes. We're finally getting some information about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we see that she's the one kind of running the company. Yeah. Later on, we find out that uh, her company bought out Vite's company. Mm-hmm. And we do know that he disappeared shortly before she bought the company. Right. That's been stated a few times in the episode, in the episodes prior. And... She's got a lot going on. I mean, in just this opening scene, we find out that she knows how to um, do some kind of bioengineering and chemical manipulation to right. create a life. All right. yeah. She creates this couple's baby. Yeah, it's not even a clone, right? No, it, it's, it's like not, a legit it's, Yeah, baby. yeah. And so we see that she has means, she has resources, sure. and she has this real level of um, sinister intent. Well, don't, I mean, we could also add that list that she might be able to kind of forecast the future in the sense because Correct. the reason that that first scene happened that we haven't even talked about yet is I'm going to call it a meteor? Probably not, maybe. Something, yeah. Could it be? Could it be Adrian? It we'll get be. to that. I don't want to... We'll, oh, we'll, that's yeah. a good, I didn't even catch that. Just that's good. Maybe. We'll, um, yeah. But we do see at the end of the episode when the couple decides to... Sun, or at the end of the scene... Where the couple decides to sign over their house and the land that it's on, which right. I think is really interesting. Yeah, that was what it was um, about, right? It was about the land of the house. I think so, yeah. yeah. And um, we see this meteor or something, something falling from the sky. Now, I thought initially that this was the scene from the first episode where the owl ship. Yeah, with, that's what uh, I thought too. With Judd yes. and uh, Pirate Jenny yes. was crashing. That's it what I thought very too. similar. Yeah, and they've done that. They've used that right. device in the series so far a couple yes. of times. Yes, and they used it in this episode yeah, as well. Yeah, with the crashing with the car. With, you know, us running parallel to the events of a previous episode. Right. So, what do you think it is? What do, you, do you think it's do you think it's a look back at that first episode's events? Do you think it's something else? I you know they and, and so for the beginning scene they never introduce where we're at in time right. right, and it's not beyond Lindelof's writing style and the creation style to play with time frames. So okay, I it would be very interesting because we do see that I don't want to, we're we're going to get about this later, but with Adrian trying to get yes he mentions it's a prison now at that mm-hmm. point we can we can fully we now say, know yeah. yeah he's there. Not by choice. Right. And he says, we're going to get back. We'll get to that later. But 
I'd like to think that it was him finding a way to get back to Interesting. Earth because he's revered by this company, mm-hmm. by these people, right? So maybe at that point they are expecting his return. Maybe knows, you know. And then that's interesting as well because we don't have really a um, a full grasp on the time frame yes. when this episode is or when this scene is occurring in the events of this show. Right, and they do cut it. You know, as, right. as hard soon cut. as yeah, as soon hard as that cut. thing crashes, it's we're done with the scene. We're moving we're, on. We're now to Angela's story. Right, and Angela takes center stage once again in this episode yeah. because yeah. she is trying to solve this mystery the mystery of will her potential grandfather right, uh, yeah. and so she returns to uh the bakery where she was keeping will captive mm-hmm. and i'm using I quotations got for podcast you know <laughs> but uh she goes about basically ridding any evidence that he was there right you know discarding of the eggs that he made you know Wiping down everything that could have prints on it, and that's so just smart. Just sawing isn't it? across. Well, she's a cop. She yeah. knows what to look for. Yeah, you, yeah. And you know, dismantling this wheelchair, breaking it down to little pieces, and all this stuff. And she goes while she's trying to figure out exactly what to do next. She goes and she breaks into the um, the museum. Right. And so this is when we get to what you were talking about with the family tree. Yeah. And I I have this down in my notes, um, 23 me plus. <laughs> yeah. So we be crazed the last few years, and I I I feel comfortable calling it a craze, yeah. is that um, various companies, and I'm just naming 23 and Me just because I think it's the most famous out of all. It definitely of them, is. Have been really marketing to people like, hey, you want to find out your ancestry? Right. You want to find out, you know, yeah. all these people and who you're related to? And I think that this idea is so genius. Sure, sure. That I've never heard of it before, and I... I could easily see this being a thing in 10 years. Oh, God, right? Easily. The way they even marketed it. Oh, yeah. Swab your DNA. Let me create your acorn. Take your little yes, nugget of data. Yes, the acorn yeah. of all it things. It was great. It was, it was yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm like, in, ten, in five and you years. Drop it into, yeah. You drop it into a little tube in the museum and it's it throws great. this holographic image. Yeah, the, the user interface is fantastic. We found a new branch of your family yes, tree. I, oh it was great. God. It, it was, was so good. And like that kind of technology is not out of the realm of no, possibility. Not at all. Well, like say especially it's 23 and me on a visual scale. Right. It's, and especially with all of the advancements in VR technology in the last Very, couple of years. Yeah, that's absolutely all true. All of that stuff. Holographic yeah. technology. We see fucking um, Tupac concerts and holograms. Yeah, yeah, that, and that was three years, years ago. Two, yeah. yeah, that was yeah. And it's like it's crazy how wild science fiction can be when you realize how close we are to it. And, and I, on the subject, but off it. Did you see that they're making a film with uh, James, James Dean? Yes, mm-hmm. that, right. And it's Which like I, I have a lot of problems. With well, right, I mean, I as an actor, of, I'm sure that's. Well, true. No, no, Obviously, yes. Yes. But also, like, ethically. Oh, like, yeah. There's no way he can consent to his of course message not. being used here. Sure. And sure. then, you know, what does that say for 
this weird place that we're in where there's this climate of fake news yeah and like absolutely all of this kind well, of like framing material the deep fake um deep fake is joe crazy. rogan had somebody and i can't remember who it was shout um, out to the joe rogan podcast joe rogan we know he listens to those yes well, joe hit us up we're, hey joe, we're, we're big fans um he had somebody on there and it was somebody i, I believe it was from nsa or cia xop uh-huh. whatever and they were saying that you can deep fake and because now everything is voice activated. You right. open your phone with your face, right? Yeah. So if you deep fake something where it becomes oh, an issue with financials. Yes. Yeah. You know what? Transfer a wow. million dollars to my boy Eric. And you know what I mean? And wow. all of a sudden it just opens this door and it's funny yeah. how technology you know, and of course it's used in the wrong way. It's for Black Mirror, thank you very much. But you know what I mean? It's just interesting to say what you're talking about right. going off of how great science fiction can be because we're kind of knocking on the door. We are. You know? and, I, and I mean, you, you look at it, you look at, um, like, Star Trek. Yeah. The original Star Trek yeah. show, you know, this idea of having handheld communicators yeah. that could showcase your face wild. Yeah. And then, you know, less than 30, 40 years later, we've got them in our pocket. Yeah. FaceTime. Like, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, all in all, not too far off the edge of this um, ancestry. Yeah. Love that, by the that way. That was a I'm, great I'm a little huge, play on that. Huge fan of puns. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed that. Um, but I thought it was fascinating. And then we go into her family tree and we show that her grandfather is Will. Yeah. It shows Confirmed. It. It's confirmed yeah. there. And then what I loved was that um, it basically asked her, you know, we don't really have, you know, confirmation that these are Will's parents but his genetic makeup matches these two people would you like to see them yeah and we see the two actors that played the parents it's in the beginning in the of episode. the first episode yeah. during the 1921 Tulsa massacre and it's heartbreaking yeah because it's talking about you know he was a cop. So he's a soldier he, you know, too. He was a and, soldier, yeah. and we saw that in I want to say episode two, mm-hmm. where with the, with the pamphlets. Yeah, where he got the pamphlets, um, and Which, then it shows Will. It yeah. shows little baby Will that we saw him again in the first episode. But it says that he was killed yeah. along with his parents, which I think is interesting, because um, it's one of those funny things that happens with technology sometimes, where it just it contradicts itself without seeing a problem. Sure. Without seeing that, yes, this person um, is your grandfather, but they also died when they were a child. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting that Will was named here, and I loved Angela's little monologue to Will, looking yeah. at his little, you know, child holographic face, being like, "Stay the hell away from me." Yeah. And then immediately we cut to the ending events of last episode with the car dropping. Yeah. In front of Lori. And we literally pick up right there. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about the kind of starting this episode in medium, like yeah. going straight into the events of yeah. uh, last episode? Well, I love how they do the, the, I call it a fat timeline, where you've got a bunch of different stories happening at the same time. So for mm-hmm. me, I think that's super entertaining as an audience member. And... You know, it's funny, we're now four episodes in, but realistically, so much of this has happened within, what, a two or three day period? Yeah, two or three days, you know, the maybe. was killed, and then the other one, they just had this uh, funeral in the second one, and mm-hmm. so we're just kind of picking up that. So so, so much happens in, in that time. It's all, you know, it's funny, 
I remember we were talking about this before we started going. I was very interested in Lori's storyline, and I still am. Right. You can tell. Absolutely. Yeah. But I was I was really peeling the onion on Angela's story mm-hmm. this time. Like I thought that was interesting, more interesting than Lori at this point. Right. And I and I feel like I feel pretty dumb thinking it's Doctor Manhattan dropping this car down when. That's kind of you know, and that's just the story. That's that's the show being like, hey, I, it's the whole smoke and mirrors. No, I want to look here, but but it's giving you reasons to stay invested and stay interested in the yeah. mystery of the story. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like we do find out later, much later on in the episode, near the end, in fact, that um, the car was picked up by Lady True's company. Yeah, and that she is in league with Will, and we'll get to their whole thing a little bit later. Right. But I really liked how, and we've talked about this before, how the first two episodes were very much about world building. Yes. So the third episode was pushing the story forward. Now with this episode, I almost feel like we went back to the format of the first two. It definitely feels Where it went back to kind of a slower pace, world building once again, so I'm wondering if this is going to be a pattern. So if we're getting two episodes of world building, one episode of story advancement, and I can see how that would get stale really quickly. Sure. Or if they start to kind of alternate. It was really great. Let me ask you about the introduction of, I believe, the Millennium Clock, right? Yes. So, like, what do you think the end game is for that? And I know that's kind of towards the middle of the episode, so we got stuff to cover, but I'm anxious. I'm interested to give me your opinion on that part of it. Because well, it looks like a space station. It does. What it do you it think? looks like a beacon. Right? And to me, it's like, when it comes to uh, Watchmen, yeah. the everything that happens within the original graphic novel that has to do with anything that comes with a clock or a ticking clock or anything always has to do with Dr. Manhattan. Uh-huh. Dr. Manhattan, back when he was just John, was a watchmaker. Um, the play that Adrian is writing is called The Watchmaker's Son. And that's... That's John. And the story is about him turning into Dr. Manhattan. Um, There's a big thing when he makes his little kingdom on Mars. It's all gears of a clock. Mm. So I think, if anything, this Millennium Clock could be a way to get Dr. Manhattan back to Earth. Whether it's willingly or not. Sure, sure. Um, and we do know that Lady True has the resources to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we see during, uh, a little bit later on in the episode, uh, she's turned an entire atrium into the exact uh, humidity and climate of Vietnam. Yeah, pH, yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, that kind of like climate control is uh, a little scary. And they did say that it's completely disaster proof, mm-hmm. like, outside of a nuclear weapon yeah. hitting it directly. So, it but again, tsunamis, it's, earthquakes. It's really interesting what this clock could be. What do you think the Millennium well, Clock could be? I, that, you know, I'm sure you have a, a better, a closer bearing than I am. I mean, it could be kind of like a Cheyenne Mountain complex where oh, they do talk about it. If let's say the events are earth changing right uh-huh. um this would survive that and right. this could be like a sanctuary because oh, if you're taking it home with you you always have home it's, here it's the but, uh, noah's ark do you, do you, exa- yeah, yeah exactly do you think her daughter is i think i artificial? think she's i think she's she's totally right artificial. yeah <laughs> that's think, so cute I think she's because uh, and this is near the end of the episode uh, her daughter has a nightmare 
And when she is talking about what her nightmare is, you can tell the Lady True is realizing what this nightmare is. It's a memory. Right, yeah. So of the I, war. Of, right. And which I, think, I thought was Dr. Manhattan. Because you know... In, in, that's, that's interesting. That's, well, yes, because, because that's exactly what happened. Um, but I think her daughter might just be a genetic copy of her. Yeah, That she's growing slowly to be essentially her successor. Because she knows there's going to be a reckoning coming. Um, I think that she definitely had something to do with Adrian's current predicament. Yes. Um, but getting back to before, because I sure. want to spend some time with Adrian's stuff for sure. Yes. But getting back to uh, the world building here, yeah. I really liked what they did with um, building out certain facets, not just of the world, but of these characters. Uh, we find out that Looking Glass is essentially living in a uh, doomsday yeah bunker. He's, bunker. Pre- he's a prepper. Yeah, he's which a prepper. It, it makes so <laughs> much sense for that character. Yeah. Um, once again, Tim Blake Nelson just yeah. killing it yeah. in, in every scene. And uh, the trailer for next week's episode seems like we're, it's going to be a very Looking Glass heavy episode. So I'm yeah. excited about that. But in that part, he does have. It's funny because Angela talks about uh, asking him, "Did you know?" Because his kind of thing is finding uh, let's just call it the racist part of it yes right? the racist right. thing. okay and he asked and she asked him did you know he was a racist and yes. reference to chief love right? this he says I, he was a white man in Oklahoma it's and like, it's, it's, it's basically, basically like what do you think exactly right and I thought that, that was interesting because you know he goes on she asks him are you interrogating me a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. And He's, now, why would I interrogate? Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah. Did you know all along? And I love that aspect of his character. Um, and it's actually very Rorschach like. Yeah. There have been a lot of um, allusions between the two of them yeah. to Rorschach. The way that he eats is the same way that Rorschach eats, pulling his mask just up above his nose. Yeah. Um, just visually, his mask being a mirror where Rorschach's mask was a Rorschach mask you know, right. constantly moving but of course that is what right. you see so in a lot of ways it is a reflection of who you are absolutely and I think it's really interesting with his character seeing that it looks like he's tracking the weather patterns of these raining squids yeah uh, which I, I still think is wonderful and I know that there's going to be some kind of development on that probably next episode yeah um, but another thing that I thought was really interesting and it's a much smaller thing that I think if you weren't really paying attention as a viewer, you could be forgiven for missing it. But um, the subtle kind of uh, pushing at the idea of atheism. Oh, yeah. With, uh, with Calvin, whole, right? Angela, and their yeah. kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, the idea that, you know, they're trying to, the kids were like arguing about whether Judd went to heaven or heaven, not. Yeah. And Calvin basically sits down, and I did not expect this whatsoever. No. no. Um, but it's this idea of atheism. He basically explains exactly what it is without literally yeah. saying it. Yeah. And while watching it and listening to it, I was shocked at first. But as he started going through this explanation, I was like, well, this is a world with Dr. Manhattan. What what possible reason would they have to believe in any other kind of religion when you have a walking God? Right, right. It's, it's, I actually wrote that down, too. Cause, and that's, um, that's kind of Damon's style, too, going back to it. I love, oh, really? I love that he's not afraid to talk about that. Because nowadays, Absolutely. you know... Um, 
You see it all over the place. Yeah, it's it's not. I twenty years ago, thirty years when I, when when our parents were, like my grandparents are hardcore Catholics, right? They right. go what so they were. My mom kind of less and me less and that. And so now I read somewhere uh, the most college students are atheists because right. it's like. I, I always kind of describe it as show me the proof and I get it right if of you're course. an intelligent person let's I, I, I want to just give me a little for. evidence show me yeah. proof so but the way in the way he delivered this and, and it's so just, tactful right but like as a and he wasn't like negative he wasn't like oh there's yeah, no I mean, god he, it was just he like wasn't dramatic. dismissive no. he wasn't like oh you're stupid for believing yeah. in heaven but he laid it out to them like heaven is a made up place yeah you know and he tried to explain to them his point of view whether it was uh basically saying like you know he didn't exist he was born he grew up to an adult and now he doesn't exist again yeah i, I love and it's, that it's really interesting and completely barring your belief system i myself am a religious man but like the way that they tackled that sure i thought was really well done and really, like I said, if you weren't paying attention to that scene, and it's easy to tune out with any scene that's like, you know, not comic book stuff, people dying. Yeah. Like, you could have missed it. Entirely. Yeah. You know, and the other part of it, too, is, I mean, if we're just living in that world, too, I mean, he's a black man living in Oklahoma. Absolutely. He's, he, if he hasn't, I'm sure someone in his family have seen Terrible White Knight. You right. Know, they, were, they were there for, so, you know, it's easy for them to be that to be kind of coerced into believing that because of the things you've seen because <coughs> excuse me that's kind of part of it too if you are right. religious you say why am i being punished for why but no it wasn't that yeah. it was the opposite so you are you're not you are then you're not again yeah. and that's just kind of the cycle of life and he's talking to his kids mm-hmm. <coughs> and they took to it really like yeah really well they didn't argue with him they didn't seem like really shocked or anything these are very like well-adjusted kids, almost like yeah. too well-adjusted, except for maybe Topher. Yeah, big Which big is- fan of Topher and Angela's. <coughs> oh gosh, <laughs> Chris is uh, yeah, is, is battling a sickness here. He's although it's braved the elements to come out here yeah. and uh, watch this episode, do this uh, do this podcast review. But what I think is really interesting, and I just I just thought of this right now. That I think is interesting is this whole idea of, you know, they they seem to be an atheistic household. Yeah. Angela's um, detective codename is Sister Knight. She's playing a nun from an atheist household. And I think there's a lot that could be said about that. I think there there's a lot that could go into that, yeah. into that idea. I just think it's fascinating. Their whole, the whole world here is super fascinating. Yeah, I really, really, <coughs> it really is. But uh, talking about our two leads earlier, Angela and Lori, this episode had a lot with them, with the two of them interacting. Uh, yeah, you know, Angela comes out and finds Lori with her car. Yeah, um, and the two of them, you know, having the conversation in Judd's office, having a conversation on the drive on the way to the Millennium Clock. They're getting a lot of time together, and I like that because yeah. they're two very headstrong, very stubborn characters who are getting time to butt heads because we know that there's going to be a crossroads for them. <coughs> there's going to be a point where they are um, going to come into conflict. Sure. Do you get the feeling that Lori always kind of knows a little bit more than Angela, or she just kind of feeds her like, hey, 
I know that you know type of thing. Yeah, I Lori definitely know, knows more than she's letting on. Sure. And I think that has to do a lot with her, as she mentioned it before, her vigilante background. Yeah. She knows how to look at it from all the angles. Uh, but I think it's also really interesting how much she's keeping close to the vest. Because she definitely knows something's up with Lady True. She know, she somehow knew to look for um, Judd's secret compartment, even though I don't think she had yeah. the same kind of uh, x-ray goggles that uh, Sister Knight did. And I think that her showing up from last episode and her being a big part of the events going forward are going to be something that is going to come into uh, focus later on. I think there's a lot that can be said for Lori being the person who is kind of leading the investigation now, her taking on this uh, police chief role instead of sticking with her own uh, like her own mission, her own directive there to just take out the 7th Cavalry. She is now involving herself in this case about uh, Angel's missing car. She doesn't have to do that. Her right. job there is to you know, weed out the Seventh Cavalry, and I think that she is, she has her own agenda. She's searching for something, especially after the events of last episode, where, again, us now knowing that the car was dropped by Lady True's company, the idea still that you brought up last week of the brick coming down yeah. right after she tells that joke, I think that's still. I think that still um, holds water. I think that still really, really matters. And I think that's going to come in handy. And I think it's going to come into play later <coughs> on as well. We haven't talked about the Silver Dude yet. Oh, what yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to call it the Silver Slayer. Red Scare's response. That was awesome, by the way. I know, so you, I know you're a Red Scare guy. I so. love Red Scare. <laughs> Red Scare might be my favorite character in the show right now. But, um, so, I'm going to call him the, uh, the Silver Slider. He is just this, like, <laughs> this guy who, if you've, if you've ever been uh, to downtown Hollywood, if you've ever yeah. been to Vegas, you've seen this guy. Yeah. He's, you know, got a boombox and he's taking tips while he's doing the robot. Yeah. Well, he's frozen. In a, in a chrome too. suit. That, like, yeah. He is. So he's just this guy, you know, um, Angela's uh, uh, disposing of the bits and pieces of Will's wheelchair, uh, which is, again, another thing that Lori brings up, mentioning the wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she knows. On that. Yeah. Um, and as she finishes disposing of this wheelchair over a bridge, she turns and this guy is watching her but it's this guy in this all silver suit i think his face was done up silver too and it's basically like a silver morph suit like you can buy these at like any yeah. local spirit halloween store yeah and so she starts chasing him down this guy's fast yeah like he is physically fit and he is just this lanky skinny guy who she's chasing through these back alleys and this warehouse and as she's about to like really gain on him, she's making 
good strides and she's coming up on him he reaches into his little utility belt with these two <laughs> squirt guns yeah and just like starts spraying himself and i i thought for a second i thought he's gonna set himself on fire oh my god i thought that like until I, he slid I, yeah yeah <laughs> until I'm like, i thought okay. he's like he's gonna set himself on fire because he's you know basically like his version of like the cyanide it had that, that the it cavalry totally were taking in the uh the first episode but no it's basically just like what could be olive oil could be some kind of lube or whatever (laughs) he's just like spraying lube all over himself and he just like unbuckles the utility belt so he's just wearing the um silver silver suit and he just goes sliding into the storm drain yeah and i i think in this day and age when we are so desensitized to big screen CGI effects. Like, we've all seen Avengers. We've all seen Godzilla. We've seen these giant things that couldn't possibly be human, you know, done up in these special effects that are leagues ahead of their time in certain cases. I have never been more impressed with a visual effect (laughs) than when I watched this guy go from a running start (laughs) into sliding feet first into a storm drain. Right. I'm like, that was, it looked like it was completely feasible. The guy maybe, it, it looked, looked like practical. Like, yeah. It looked like a practical effect. There was no, uh, you know, it sliding out of the storm drain going after Georgie. Like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. It yeah. looked like this guy just swoops, <laughs> slid funny. right into the storm drain. Uh, Angela's response, I think, was ours. Well, at the so same funny. time. It was the exact like, same time. We're like, what the fuck just what happened? The, yeah. What the hell? Like, and again, you mentioned it before, the response that Red Scare had yeah. to this was so good. Because she's like trying to tell... Um, trying to tell Red Scare and Pirate Jenny like what the hell happened and they're just like was he uh, was he wearing a Rorschach mask no and I I don't think our boss is gonna care yeah <laughs> and I die yeah. I just Red Scare is the unsung hero of this story and <laughs> I am putting my chips in now that Red Scare is truly Dr. Manhattan no. <laughs> that he came back just to mess with people as Red Scare because he's too good. He's too good for this world. <laughs> he is pretty good. Hey, so I have a question for you. So, yeah. um, we were talking about this before, and so uh, what is, and I'm not going to pronounce this right, so you can help me. <laughs> Red Frid duration. Red Frideration? Red. Oh, okay. What yeah. Are so they we, referring we to? talked about this a little bit um, while we were watching the episode. And uh, they mentioned it in the first episode. They're called the Redfordations. Redfordations, thank you. Um, which is a play on President Robert Redford and reparations. So uh, they peppered this throughout like the first and second episodes when they're still doing their war, war yeah. building. And it's yeah. appropriate that it was kind of it resurfaced here. But um, something that I think is really interesting and something that they touch on here is that the massacre in Tulsa, 1921, you don't learn about that in schools. I never knew about that until I watched this show. I'd never heard of it before. I'd never heard of the events in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that there were a thing that happened until watching this episode. Because I never learned about it in school. Sure. Um, And so they talk about how, in, in this show, how it wasn't publicly known until... 
and even in the real world, wasn't really publicly talked about until like 2009, when families of the people who survived the massacre came through and wanted to talk about it and wanted to share their story. Interesting. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah. But um, what they're referring to when they talk about Redfordations, and they mention it at the very, um, not the very beginning, but near the beginning of the first episode, when uh, Angela is giving that presentation to Topher's class. And then Topher. And the kid yeah, is yeah. And the kid's just like, did you get the money for your bakery through Redfordations? And I love Topher's and just Topher like, punches. He, yeah. what did you just say? Yeah. And he just like runs across the room, starts beating <laughs> the crap out of this kid. Yeah. So Redfordations, from what I understand watching uh, the show, yeah. is uh, an initiative by Robert Redford, President Robert Redford. And I, I still got still got high hopes that he's going to show <laughs> up in this show as yeah. President Robert Redford. Um, basically passing an act to try and um, make reparations for the descendants of the victims of that um, of that massacre of that event. And that's see. why we, when she first uh, submits Will's DNA yeah. into the machine, they talk about, oh, you qualify for this, this, and this. So oh, I think, okay, gotcha. And the only way they'd be able to know about that and verify that is through the. Uh, Holographic 23 and thing. So that's what I understand Redfordations are. Well, that makes sense. Um, that's what if I figured I'm wrong, it was. I'm sure that people listening are shouting it right now, so feel free to correct us yeah, on Twitter yeah. at Geekplain Pod. Is that Geekplain P O D? Um, but now we're going to move on to Adrian Veidt. Yeah. Adrian Veidt had an interesting. Um, Interesting little story here hmm. in this episode. The last time we saw him, he was gearing up after his uh, confrontation, I guess you could call it, with the game warden. Hmm. And we see him for the very first time, once again, in the Ozymandias costume. Loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. But we kind of catch up with him, and it looks like it's the next day or some indeterminable it's amount of mind. It, it feels like it's soon, happened. right? Yeah. And what I can only guess is that so we'll we'll backtrack so we we find him on a boat in the middle of a lake we're not sure what he's doing but he's pulling out these gold cages and you find that inside the cages are babies like kind of grotesque looking babies but babies nonetheless and i was really thrown off by this yeah and you know he's looking at specific babies and for whatever reason, he, like, throws them back into the lake. I'm like, are these babies being grown in this lake? Like, what is the deal here? What's happening? Yeah. So, if you can feel any kind of tension on air, we are uh, currently in the process of having two pets. Uh, <laughs> meet for the first time. Meet for the first time. Chris's dog, Gatsby, and our cat, Babs, who you have heard on the podcast, complaining <laughs> about anything and everything. Um are meeting for the very first time and it's going well yes as a quick aside i think it's it's probably going about as well as it could go as well as it could go yeah Yeah, because gatsby and babs both came from uh some not so great upbringings they didn't have very good uh good lives but fortunately they were uh found and brought to the uh pasadena humane society shout out to them shout out to where uh both of them were adopted respectively by chris and i and our significant others as well and so they have a lot of common 
They do. They, both, even, they even look similar. They even look I mean, similar. <laughs> like um, Babs, for those of you who don't know, is an orange tabby cat. Um, and Gatsby, remind me what breed he is. He is a Jack Russell. He's a Jack Russell, so he's got a little bit of orange, yeah. orangish in his fur, and they're meeting for the first time. And with Babs, Babs is kind of uh, she's a hood rat. She's a hood cat. <laughs> where hood she cat. she gets kind of territorial, especially when it comes to food and stuff. So we didn't know how the two of them meeting was going to go, but they've been very calm uh, for the most part. Yeah, staying you know a safe amount of distance away, a respectful distance. I a would respectful say. Dif- yes. distance, absolutely. And whenever they did get close to each other, it was very respectful. Yeah, they smell each other a couple times. Yeah, but sniff they've here, stayed, sniff there. Yeah. yeah, so. I bet you didn't think this was going to be That's okay, uh, animal husbandry yeah. with but Chris and Eric. But here we are. Passes Society kicks ass. They, they really, they are awesome. They really do. They if really you do. are looking for a pet and you are in the pa- Pasadena or Greater Los Angeles area, check them out. They do good work there. They do. So getting back on track, Adrian fight. Fight um, um, with fishing babies out of the lake. It looked so good. It was beautifully oh, shot. Oh, the effects too. again. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I like you probably thought it was lobster fishing. I don't know something, right? Yeah, I didn't. And then it kind of it had it like was, a Matrix vibe to me for a while. Yeah. And then. Uh, you kind of figured that okay, well, this was his help because we knew he had access to clones of some kind. Yeah, and 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 that was but, kind of his. But help. what I find really interesting is that these babies, whether they're being grown in the lake or whatever sure. is happening to them, Adrian is taking them from the lake a long ways back to the yeah. castle. Yeah, where he is artificially aging them so i don't think they belong to him but he keeps finding them artificially aging them you know becoming mr phillips and miss crook well they're basically incubators right right he, he, he shoots them Sticks forward them in an incubator maybe 20 years. while he's like eating his weird awesome it's gotta be birthday that he keeps right? getting yeah um and when he brings them back we see that in the large dining room which has been a um a location for many of the scenes so far this season there are just dozens and dozens and dozens and yeah. dozens of bodies it's a murder fest murder fest yeah and so what i can only assume connecting you know dots two plus two being what it is yeah is that after adrian got in his ozymandias costume he proceeded to kill every single mr phillips and miss crookshanks in the castle in this single room do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I do. I think... Uh, so let me ask you. I Yes, I agree. Why, why did he do that? I don't know. I, I He did... I, okay, you have a theory. Tell I me do. your theory. He was very upset the last episode when, let's just say, he shot out his person to whatever, right? So we knew... We, we thought that maybe he was going to go to outer space or water because we had connected some type of breathing apparatus to his helmet. So there was that. When he returned, he was frozen, and then he proceeded to kick and beat the sh- beat whatever life or frustration he had out on this body. So he was obviously upset. We know that. We now know he's pri- he's in prison. He does not want to be there. Right. So I think it was a culmination. I think he thought he was close. I think this the result of his experiment because he is the smartest man alive, right? Absolutely. So. 
it's so safe I think to say. Lady True gives him a run for his money. Well, for sure. I wonder. We'll I wonder. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, get, get, to we'll get to that. But I think that he got upset that it wasn't going. He couldn't right. figure it out. I'm frustrated. I need to. I need to take my frustration out. Personal hell. Yeah. Exactly. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kill all these things. But you know, what? it's not gonna matter anyway because I'm just gonna grow new ones. And I think he is growing new ones. I think he's figured out to how to do all this. And he's the one that's growing though. Yes, I do. Interesting. It, it's funny because it looks, and again, I look at the cinematography because that's what I look at. Right. It's wonderful. It is such a kind of. so good. It's like steampunk, uh, gothic, but this beautiful mix mm-hmm. between the two. And Agreed. I mean, anyway, that that's what I'm thinking. So why do you think he killed all those well, people? You must have I an idea. I think it's really it. interesting because we, we get this, um, this throwaway line when he's talking to the new Mr. Phillips and Ms. Crookshanks while they're, you know, launching people in this catapult. He's been there for four years. Yeah. They, he mentions that. He's he been there for four years. At first, when he got there, he thought it was a paradise. Now he sees it as a prison. So there's a possibility that he went there willingly initially. And that he only realized later that he was a prisoner and that he's been trapped there. Mm. And that he's been trying to get out ever since. Um, I think that... I mean, these uh, these Phillips and Crookshanks clones are basically children that he is raising. They don't know any better, so there's no way that even if they wanted to defend themselves against him, that they could. Right. right. And so I think this, I mean, hell, this might be a regular thing that he does. He gets so frustrated at his lack of being able to leave that he just goes on a killing spree well, because there's no consequence for him. It, well, right, there's that. And we've and, seen that Adrian Veidt in the original Watchmen comic was willing to kill millions of people to achieve a specific goal. Yeah. So he is a killer. He has killed before. He killed the comedian in cold blood with his bare hands, which kicked off the whole events of the Watchmen story. But I think this was... Probably, like you said, a crime of passion. I think it's something that he didn't mean to do, but it's just he got so frustrated that he just went on this spree killing everybody yeah. and realized, oh shit, I don't have anybody else to work the catapult. I gotta right. go, <laughs> go grow right. a couple more. Well, okay, so there's a thing, right? So he's launching people from the catapult. He's in, it'd be one thing if you were just sending him whatever, right? right? But he's looking where they're going. And I, right. I mentioned this last episode yeah. that they were using that catapult launching people into space. And I, okay, so I wonder in, in 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 the trailer for next episode they talk about dimensions, and we see Vite getting geared up in that same suit. Yeah, getting ready to be launched. So I'm thinking that it's like a dimension, like how we have on um, like a pocket um, dimension. Yes, kind of like how on well, probably like that, but like how maybe it's yeah, I think yeah, I think. There's like a bubble, you yes, know what I mean, like a agreed. net. So something. That's why those people they 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 very clearly don't disappear as right. they fade out. They hit something and they got they're gone. Right. So I'm wondering if there's something, some membrane that they get past, and so I wonder. Now, do you think that that being said, where he is, how long he's been there, do you think Doctor Manhattan put him there, or that Lady True put him there? I think Dr. Manhattan put him there and Lady True's trying to get him back. Interesting. I think that... Okay, so our, for argument's sake, if that's... Why would Lady True have a statue of him in his older form? 
Right. Which I thought was really interesting. Sure. Because we do know that for him, he's been gone for four years. We don't know how long that means he's been gone in our time. Right, in the timeline. we do know that he's been gone for a little while. Right. Like, long enough for people to wait on officially declaring him deceased. And this idea that we don't know how long he's been gone and when Angela, or no, when Lori sees the statue, she's surprised that he looks so old. Yeah. So he must have disappeared when he was still a younger man. Yeah. And so her being able to know what he looks like as an old man, I think she has an insight onto where he is. True. Um, I think there's something to be said about the idea of the um, pocket dimension that he exists in possibly being some other habitat made inside of the Millennium Clock. There's a possibility because we don't know what this thing is for. Right. We don't know whether it is to um, to somehow pull him back, whether it's to pull Dr. Manhattan back, or wherever. Why would they want to pull Dr. Manhattan back? I don't know. But they know. But there's... For Adrian, something they do revere Adrian, right? They they consider him Lady True does in that right, and so she's also the one that bought the land at the beginning. She's also the one we follow outside, like we talked about at the beginning right. of the podcast, where there's that re-entry object, right? something, whatever yeah. it is. But and she um, says it. They ask, you know, what is it? She says it's mine. Yeah, that's mine. And I think that you know, it's we had talked about this a couple days ago. I wasn't too invested in his story, but I am fully invested now. Like, right. there, there's a lot to like about that. There and really is. And, I mean, just Jeremy Irons. Is so oh, God, good right. And yeah. everything he does. Everything. But he yeah. really makes you, just from his um, line delivery, his performance, really get invested in what he's doing. Just like when they launched the first Mr. Phillips. Yeah. And he just disappears in the clouds. And he has the, you know, the uh, looking glass. And he just goes... Outstanding, right? I just like, oh, just he's so, um, he's so proper, he's so, yeah. um, taken out of a another time, and it's so great because that's the window that his story is being told in right, right. now, like it fits so perfectly for and that. We don't so. know exactly again where he fits in the story, where and when this story is taking place, because I think there is something yeah. to be said about multiple episodes events happening concurrently with each other. Yeah. yeah because absolutely. it sets up this expectation that all of it's happening at the same time. Yeah. Where I'm sure that something is going to be, you know, turned on its head for us as the viewer that oh no, this has been happening way away from this happening. Well, here's a little thought dust for that. Um True can true can create people, right? Right. Vite is oh, fishing think... for people, right? So right. It's possible that there may be a technology swap. Either maybe, maybe. he has it. She learned of it. Maybe that's it. why she bought his company. Yeah. So so I I I, I am one hundred percent sure you are right. It's not going to be on. It's gonna it's not going to be a linear timeline. We're we're Definitely getting not. different yeah. views at different times. That's that's I think for certain. 
I just don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg at this point. Right. And that's kind of where I'm like, well. Well, and then we're also still trying to figure out where Will fits in all this. Yeah, because you know, that, we, that's true, too. The show opens with him. Yeah. The show opens with his story. And he gets a lot to do in this episode. Yeah. We yeah. see that he can walk. He was faking it. Yeah. In the, and the previous episode. We see that he's working with Lady True. That he knows uh, her daughter. That they've been working on something together. And that whatever pills that Angela found in her glove box relate back to him. Yeah. We don't know exactly what the pills do. But he does say that she isn't ready to have the conversation on who he really is. So he's something. Yeah. He's something else. He's something special that's happened. And True's trying to push that narrative, too. Right. And she's trying to... uh, accomplish some kind of agenda some at kind least of influence it right? At, right at least you know yeah and the two of them have been working together for some time for sure sure um but i'm just really intrigued by her character we both yeah when we uh when we pulled up the episode um chris asked me you know who is this asian lady yeah and i had to look at him and be like i have no idea yeah we're not i have yet, no dude. idea who this lady is because <laughs> she is an original character for the show um, or so we know up to this point as of this recording. But I am really intrigued by her. And I'm really intrigued by the idea of her building this Millennium Clock for some purpose. Right. Using these flying machines for some purpose. And they're gathering cards, too. Right? We've seen them gather cards. Yeah. Like just... what is, And if they're not made for gathering cards, what are they made for? Yeah. What do they use them for? Like, construction, I can see, but... I think you could do just as much with a very large crane. And then the cavalry we know is taking they're taking the watches. Yes. Which I, I can't Which they kind of faded into the background for this episode. Big big time. But it looks big like time. they're gonna from the preview of the next episode, they're gonna be front and center right yeah. again. Yeah. because um, it looks like Lori's gonna go on a manhunt for the seventh cavalry and looking glass is gonna be moving moving into front and center for next episode. It'll be really excited to see how that plays out because I think he knows more than he lets on to, especially Agreed. about especially about the chief. Like I think yes. maybe he knew that he wasn't a great guy. Had to. And he he Had did, to. right? With with the racist machine. Yeah, exactly exactly. He's a white man in Oklahoma. Like that doesn't that doesn't, you know very telling line as well because he is also a white man in Oklahoma. Exactly. Right. Which and you know, he's so on one side of that coin, but at the same time, like you said, he's a white man in Oklahoma. Well, I think it's really interesting because you take off the mask, you, we looked at him, you know, uninterrupted in his civilian guise here, and he's the spinning image of what most people would think yes. of when you hear the word redneck. Yeah. Like, yeah. handlebar mustache, trucker cap. Right. You know, slight accent, right. plaid shirt, living in a preppy boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm interested to see what he brings to the table and what his greater purpose in the story is. Yeah. What at this point? What storyline? Because you've got a couple of them. Right. What storyline arc are you most interested in? It. So I think it's a tie between a couple. Um, I'm actually, and I want to bring this up because I haven't, we haven't mentioned it at all, and I really want to um, do a quick shout out for um, Calvin. Yeah. He, that actor's yeah. so good. He's so good. His name is like Yaya yeah. Abdul something. I'm so sorry. Um, but he's so good. Yeah. He's very likable. this character. Yeah. Even on um, 
uh, every time that it, him and Angela have a scene, they're so good. Their chemistry is off the charts. They are. It, it's but fantastic. then we also saw that Lori visited him. Yeah. Asked him questions, mm-hmm. and I love that scene when Angela's yeah. like, "What are you going to tell me telling? that the FBI lady came to the door?" She puts the book down. Well, oh yeah, she, she came over. FBI lady the came to the door. Asked me some questions. Yeah. And it's just so like, it's so good. And yeah. I think that he is going to have a greater, um, greater participation in the story as we go on. And I hope he stays a good guy, too. I, oh, I, I, I like he's that. he's so likable. Yeah, he really so is. So likable, just he's, naturally. Right. Um, and he has been in every role that I've seen him in, but see here specifically, and maybe just because it's the most recent one that I've seen him in, but he's so good. He's very, very good. Um, so I'm really interested to see what he does. I am really interested in seeing Looking Glass's story next week. Yeah, agreed. Um, we got the tease for a brochure of like a support group. Yeah. Of some yeah. sort that looks like it's talking about um, dimensions. By dimensions. the way, dimensions. It's like it says something about like transdimensional anxiety. Right. But like you being live in anxious this about this idea of yeah. other dimensions, and I Which, love that. I mean, Doctor Manhattan. Obviously, that's a clear indicator of that because now it's it's the argument that people have that if you tell the if you if everybody in the world all of a sudden figures out that there are aliens, for instance, that changes every single belief system right. there is, and it creates new anxieties. But so, then also with the with the squid, well, okay, the giant squid it, it, being from exactly. the dimension and all that. And stuff. then they have uh, well, that's reinforcement. You know, Doctor Manhattan, the squid. There are things happening right. that are clearly interdimensional, and so. Absolutely. This is a truth. This is this so is a reality I'm, of living. I'm really interested in looking glasses stuff, and I am really looking forward to finding out more about Adrian Veidt's situation. Mm-hmm. So I would say those are my top two. And a very close second is Will's story. I want to know what he's really? about. I want to know what he's doing, especially in relation to Lady True. Yeah. Because the two of them are so. Uh, well, they're definitely working together. Yeah. Right? Well, it's it's such a big mystery for yeah. what they're going on. What are what are you most interested in arc wise? Adrian is very interesting. To me. Yes, absolutely. Like, and, and again, it, that excites me because before tonight's episode, I it was interesting, but I wasn't. You weren't. I wouldn't have told you at the beginning of the episode that he was the most interesting thing about that I'm looking for. He is now. Right. And I like the idea of being trapped. I like the idea of getting yeah. back. Now and. and we know that he's not a good guy. Like he's, he's not, not a good person. So, if he were to get back, like there, are, there are it's it's what it's consequential, like, right? It's a big deal. Yeah. And maybe I'm thinking, well, if people know he's coming back, true. Wouldn't if you were to be in the good graces of somebody in that nature, you kind of have to be subservient right. to them. So what do you do? You create a statue. You do things to serve. I get the vibe that that's what that's leading towards, but that's me. I am looking forward to that. I really am. Yeah. And I'm also looking forward to uh, Looking Glass because yes. he's like on he's like on the ground level, and it takes you back to. But he's on the another hunt. level when it comes to his performance. And he's, he is so as good. as an actor, you're absolutely. Yes. Right. And then you have the whole part of it where I don't know if he's good or bad yet. We we kind of we right. believe he's good, but again, that line that he has talking to Angela in the basement. Right. You had said, you know, there's not, if you, on, on first glance, Red Scare would have took this dude in had, when they raided the trailer park. Had he been in one, it would have fit perfectly. Yeah, the profile. I think that will be interesting because that, I feel like. 
and it looks like he finds something. I think there's an infiltration at some point. Right. right? He's going to infiltrate something, and he's going to find something yeah, that I, I hope think that, is going to be a him. big... I hope they don't kill him. What? I hope they don't kill him. I, don't, I, hope I hope so, too, but they would absolutely kill him. Yeah. They would absolutely do that at that point of the story. We're halfway through, yeah. essentially. Because I would... That's a good point, because, like, the stakes... They're not there. And I'll say this about Damon and it's about his creative style. He doesn't like to kill people off. He doesn't like to, like, oh, all really? of the leftovers. Yeah. I think yeah. there are maybe two big deaths in the entire series. And wow. he ran for three, yeah, three seasons. I feel like he went a little crazy during, uh, during Lost, at well, least. Well, yeah. And that's the other part. But like, then the whole, are they dead? They're not really dead. They're yeah. Always, they're all dead. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that was, and he actually, he speaks openly about how that ended and how it really affected his career. So, yeah. which, which will be interesting to hear about when we see him. Yes. Um, but I am really looking forward to Adrian's story, uh, to Looking Glass next week. And you know, I, I, I like the, the tension that's being built between right. Laurie and Angela. Yes, because absolutely. Laurie knows a little bit more and she keeps feeding Angela these nuggets. These, it's these, like, these you little know, breadcrumbs. And at a certain point, you know that her expertise as a vigilante is going to come into play. Sure. And that she is going to guide Angela to something at some point. We don't know what, we don't know when, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to work together on this. And Lori just being faced with so many things from her past while also having to help Angela establish her future is something that I think we're going to see a running theme throughout this entire season. Yeah, kind of like changing the guard. Maybe not changing the guard, maybe, but definitely like, hey. Oh, I think that there's definitely an element to that for sure because we're talking about this idea that um, vigilantes are outlawed. Vigilantes are illegal, but... At the same time, like Laurie said in the previous episode, you know, you, you want, do you know what the difference is between a vigilante and a mass mm-hmm. cop? I don't mean either. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what happens next. Next week, um, it does look like, as we saw from the preview, that it is going to be a looking glass infiltration story. Uh, we're also going to get some more development with Adrian Fight. We are officially at the halfway point. There are nine episodes in the season. Next week will be episode five. So with any big um, classical story structure, the halfway point, the midpoint, is where something big happens to shape the back half of your story. Um, Any final thoughts on this week's episode? Any parting wisdom? No, but I do have one question do you have an outlandish prediction like hey give me a shot in the dark maybe from half point you mean yeah, from you mean, half court shot like what do you, you mean think? besides red scare being Dr. yeah <laughs> besides that besides that okay like, got, it, got it got it do you have something and then you can be totally wrong that's okay but <sighs> but do you have something that maybe outlandish because we can look back five weeks now and be like dude i called this i think and I joke, I joked about Red Scare being Doctor Manhattan. I think that Doctor Manhattan has been hiding in plain sight. Really? I think that Doctor Manhattan uh, could be Will. Mm. Mm. So that's going to be my ridiculous prediction. What okay. is your ridiculous prediction? Uh, that Angela is a clone. Ooh. Yeah, and I think that, and you know, I, I didn't as we were talking. Ooh. It kind of fits because. Uh, orphan right um, i think that i want i wonder if will and true 
have created something where they can kind of figure that part of it out. And those pills, oh, I think those pills are going to come back and be like, be hey. interesting. And I wonder, and I, 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 I wonder at that. But write that down. Because I nice. like the idea of, of, of Dr. Manhattan just being there. Because he, and, and he is that. He, couldn't, like, he couldn't stay away. He no. has to observe. He has to and, be part of it. And isn't that great? And, and just the way in the, in the first episode when Will carries the baby and just kind of goes, he kind of has that. That, right. You know what I mean? And, and, and why would it say that he was killed with his parents when there is obviously he lived and he right. lived for over 100 years? Well, he could have figured something out, maybe yeah. cloning. So I, that's really interesting. So we're we're going to throw that out there, half-court shot. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if it makes it in the basket by the end of the season. Um, really looking forward to it. So Me far, too. the show has been fantastic. Yeah. Looking forward to next week. Um, so again, we're doing this every single week, every Monday, these are going up. So feel free to subscribe. Uh, definitely check us out on Instagram and Twitter at geek explained pod. That's at geek explained P O D. Um, feel free to let us know what you thought of the episode. Would love to have that conversation with you. Um, otherwise stay tuned for, uh, next week, same geek time, same geek channel. Uh, for now, for Geeksplain, I'm Eric Azana. And Chris Carter. And we will see you next time.